Hello from Toronto, and thank you for joining the June 2021 IPSASB Meetings Highlights podcast. This podcast will cover some of the agenda items discussed at the IPSASB's recent meeting. I'm Ross Smith, Program and Technical Director of the International Public Sector Accounting Standards Board, the IPSASB. Joining me today from the UK is IPSASB Chair Ian Crothers. Ian, the IPSASB agreed to adjust the timelines on revenue, transfer expenses, natural resources and leases projects at the last meeting. Could you share some reflections on the challenges that have given rise to the need to adjust the project timelines? Yeah, thanks Ross. So I suppose, you know, just thinking back to March 2020, that was our last physical meeting and it was really held at the point that the pandemic was was really hitting and it was the last major physical meeting that um, IFAC actually hosted of any of its committees, boards, um, standard setting boards and so on. Um, and really, uh, after that point in time, we, we had to switch our operating model um, so that all our uh, meetings have been virtual, staff have had to work virtually, um, and really we've been operating in emergency mode since that point in time because nobody actually knew how long um, you know, the pandemic was going to last. I think, you know, originally we were sort of thinking, well, you know, we might be okay to meet in June 2020. And then it was, well, okay, so June's not going to happen. We need to meet virtually, maybe September. And and so we just kind of kept rolling forward. Um, and I think, you know, we've achieved a huge amount as a staff and as a board. Um, I am really proud of what we've achieved together. Um, you know, I think when you look at the package of um, EDs that we approved in the December meeting and, and finished off work on in the February check-in meeting, um, you know, ED75 on leases and the four measurement related EDs, that, that's a huge achievement. But in thinking about it, you know, we now realize that, that this is a marathon, not a sprint. And there's only so long that you can carry on working in emergency mode. And really, um, I think we've taken the opportunity to reflect to, you know, I know there have been um, important discussions within the staff as a group. I've talked to all the members personally about how they're getting on and the issues they're facing. And I think we felt it was right that um, given that really, in all probability for the majority, if not all of 2021, we are going to be working virtually, we had to recalibrate. And that's really um, what we've actually done in looking at the project timelines. Um, I think we've reflected on the fact that one of the things that um, has been a casualty of the pandemic has been the ability to discuss within the board and between the board and staff on some of the quite challenging issues that we're facing in our standards program at the moment. And really we've reflected that actually, you know, we've had to condense the, the board meetings into three hour segments. Okay, some of them we've, we've extended, but we've still got, even with that, less board time. So um, the revised timelines that we've, uh, proposed and discussed with the board at the June meeting are really designed to address that issue from both a board and a staff perspective. And I think also if you look at the revenue and transfer expenses project, 
Um, actually, we got a tremendous response from our stakeholders, more than 200 responses across all of those EDs. And they raised some very good points with us. And I think we owe it to them to take the time to actually really go through the comments and to have the necessary debates. And similarly, uh, you know, as we'll as I'll talk about shortly with natural resources, it's a really important project and therefore it deserves the time that we're now proposing to put into it. So I think the timelines that we've now adopted, I would not say they're excessive by any means, but I would say that they're actually probably more realistic and they probably allow everybody the chance to really provide quality input that our constituents actually deserve for these important projects. Thanks, Ian, for elaborating on the challenges brought by the pandemic and sharing some insights into those adjustments to the work program. I can echo from a staff perspective the challenges we've been facing since March 2020 and the complete pivot needed in how the board and staff operate to deliver on the IPSASB's work program and activities. From the staff, I have to say thanks to the volunteers on the IPSASB. So our members, the technical advisors, observers, and of course our constituents who have all had to pivot with us and, to, and for their continued engagement and support on our work overall. Ian, at the recent meeting, the IPSASB made progress on a couple of critical IPSASB projects. In particular, the revenue and the related transfer expenses projects continued to progress. Could you share a quick overview of some of the key developments on those projects? Yeah, sure, Ross. Uh, I mean, I do think the revenue projects and the transfer expenses project are really critical. Um, you know, you think about the, the size and pervasiveness of these transactions. So really what we're doing is we're working through those, those comments and they are really good comments, really good points that have been raised. Um, and I think... You know, we've we've looked at the different types of transactions involved. Clearly, you have a lot of transactions in the public sector that don't have binding arrangements, um, and those will be covered. And, and we've changed the, the focus of how you get into the guidance so that ED71 will be the default standard. Or, and, and then, um, you know, you look at have you got a, a, a performance obligation and move into um, the, you know, the other areas of the guidance. So that's the context for our discussions. And what we really decided was we really need to, to get into how does a, where you have a binding arrangement, how does that work? Uh, because there are some issues around that, which are public sector specific. And we looked at the definition of a binding arrangement because it's not just a straightforward, you bring the contract idea over into the uh, public sector. Um, we've also looked at associated with that is the fact that um, there may well be people who are receiving services that actually don't sign the original contract. So you need to cover off for all of that. Importantly, we need to really work out well, what is binding about a binding arrangement? And that's where we've had a very good discussion, I think, about the concept of enforceability. And again, there are public sector specific aspects to enforceability, which we needed to, to pick up um, and to make sure that we do provide both clarity uh, on enforceability, what, what actually do we mean by that, um, and then 
what actually makes uh, a binding arrangement binding, enforceable. So we had a very good discussion about that, and I think we teased that out, um, and the discussions we had in March have been consolidated, and certainly if you look at the text we've got now on binding arrangements, that's brought in the earlier discussions, and it's also been made consistent conceptually between the revenue side and the transfer expense side. The other area we talked about as well was the issue about whether a liability exists and the nature of that liability as a result of the binding arrangement. And here we've linked between our work on the revenue projects and transfer expenses and the limited scope update of the conceptual framework and to look at if we revise the um, definition of a liability in the framework, um, and ISB actually has some very useful uh, enhancements which can help um, with suitable additional guidance with some of the tricky problems we found and our constituents have found uh, in practice with um, the, the current definition in the framework. If we build off that, how can we use that to strengthen the guidance in the in the new revenue standards so that we made i think good progress on that there's more to consider in september um, and we will carry on through discussions but i think we now have a very good uh, set of building blocks to build on in terms of clarification over what binding arrangements actually are, how they can be enforced, and how this fits with the concept of the liability of liabilities as expressed or as we will propose in the conceptual framework update. Thanks, Ian. And you're right. The, the revenue and transfer expenses projects are very important overall. And it's great to see the continued progress on moving forward uh, the issues that were identified by constituents. Um, and as you said, you know, more to come in September 2021 and beyond uh, as we finalize the, the concepts that will underpin these important standards. Ian, moving on to the ongoing natural resources project and the broader sustainability reporting space, which is an emerging issue of importance in both the public and the private sector. Could you share some thoughts on natural resources and its importance to that ongoing discussion? Yeah, certainly, Ross. I mean, I think you're right. Natural resources is important in its own right. We recognise that when we brought it onto the IPSASB's work programme um, as a result of the strategy consultation and, and the adoption of that at the end of 2018, we brought in the natural resources project. But of course, it's become a lot more important because of the very much higher profile attached to sustainability reporting, um, you know, globally, um, frankly, this, you know, climate change, sustainable development goals, these are global issues. And what the public sector is doing in that space is incredibly important, both as a regulator, and also as a, as a participant in delivering those. So looking firstly at the natural resources project, one of the, the critical things is is really, well, what are we talking about and what's the nature of the challenge that we face? And so in taking the project forward, we are looking at subsoil resources, biological assets, animals, plants, trees, and so on, and also water. And we're using those as examples of the issues involved in accounting for natural resources. And in particular, um, this question about can you put any of these on balance sheet? And 
through our research, it's become clear that the real issue is, are these items in their natural state or not? Because actually, once they cease to be in their natural state, there is other guidance that's already available, um, or we might need to make available. You know, for example, if you look at living things, once they start to be exploited and changed, you move into the agriculture standards. Um, you know, it may well be that the inventory standard is the right place to look. Or in the case of subsoil, we may need to provide additional guidance about exploitation costs and, and so on. But that fundamental question is, are they in their natural state? And if they remain in their natural state, i.e. without human intervention, actually, do they meet the definition of an asset in the conceptual framework? Secondly, if they do meet the definition of an asset, they're controlled, can you recognize them? And there you have big questions about uh, existence, whether, you know, do you know how much you've got, um, the nature of it and so on? Also, can you measure it? And those are very big questions and we know the private sector, uh, you know, doesn't put um, subsoil assets on its balance sheet and the public sector will face quite a lot of the similar issues in terms of certainty as well as control access and so on so we're having to examine those issues and then linked to that you need to look at the presentation issues um, you know if you recognize something in your financial statements what should the disclosures actually be equally uh, if you don't recognize it um, what information should you provide? What information is relevant, both from a point of view of accountability, but also more importantly, perhaps in this day and age, in terms of potential resources that you could exploit, thinking about financial sustainability going forwards. And I think that's where this project squarely sits in the agenda about sustainability, as well as being a discrete topic on its own. Now, in terms of um, sustainability reporting, from a public sector perspective, the critical thing is about management of public resources and strong public financial management. And the board's certainly been talking about what should its response to the sustainability reporting debate that's going on in the accountancy profession be? And we certainly have quite a long way further to go on that, that discussion about what's the appropriate financial reporting guidance. But we also believe that actually this is an issue for now. And it's really important that governments acknowledge their role, both as a regulator and as a participant in delivering um, both sustainable development goals, um, you know, climate change targets, and doing that in a way that's financially sustainable. Because all of these programs, if you're going to hit these targets, you need a clear program that articulates what's government's going to do, or how's it going to support other sectors in delivering those targets. So there's a lot of non-financial data that will be needed in order to implement those programs, to design them, to monitor them, um, and to look at the risks involved, because there are big risks involved. All of those, though, ultimately boil down to there will be a financial impact. And so 
you know, our exhortation to governments is don't wait for us to provide guidance. Get on and do this. This is a now problem. You already have guidance from the IPSASB in the form of uh, the RPGs, RPG3, um, you know, in terms of service performance. And critically, in terms of financial sustainability, you have RPG1. Um, so we believe you know, there is guidance there. We will certainly, and we are indeed participating in the debates um, about um, the development uh, of um, an international sustainability standards board, bringing the guidance together in a coherent way. Um, but we see that that in the context of there is existing guidance which can and should be used in the, in the public sector and we will make sure that we sit um, the natural resources project in that agenda. Um, in terms of looking at this further, um, there is uh, coverage on this um, both in terms of how we progressed our projects, which is going to come through in the biennial review that we'll publish later on this month. And it's also addressed in terms of the work plan, uh, work program consultation that we will be publishing uh, around about the end of July. Uh, so look out for both of those coming. Um, you know, that will give you more context um, and we anticipate putting out more information about uh, sustainability standards and reporting as, um, you know, the debate evolves and as experience evolves. So again, watch this space in terms of the Ipsasby website. So, you know, summarising, I think natural resources is incredibly important. I think we're making good progress with the debates and the discussions. Um, and, um, you know, really stay tuned, I think, um, you know, in terms of keep a look on our website, as important material is published, we'll make sure our constituents are aware of that. Um, so back to you, Ross, on that. Yeah, thanks a lot, Ian, uh, for sharing those important insights on natural resources and uh, the very important sustainability reporting space, um, as well as highlighting the recent uh, approval of the consultation paper on the mid-period work program consultation, which is very important and will help uh, illustrate the importance in that area. Um, and will be out for comment until uh, probably around November, depending on our publication date. So just to highlight that for listeners. Um, also, just to note one item and give a shout out to a staff document that might help in the sustainable reporting space is the climate change staff question and answer document the IPSASB put out uh, in spring 2020 is a good good place to start if you're trying to think through the IPSAS impact of uh, programs related to uh, climate change uh, and in particular if you're thinking about the RPGs that Ian mentioned and there's a good document there that might help you think things through. Um, for further information on the recent meeting uh, please see the June 2021 IPSASB e-news. The IPSASB's next meeting will be September 2021, and the IPSASB will have a one-day virtual check-in meeting in July 2021. Uh, both meetings will be virtual. In September, in addition to the continuing discussions on the items Ian highlighted throughout the podcast, the IPSASB will undertake its first in-depth discussion on the leases project since the ED responses were received and will continue deliberations on accounting and reporting by retirement benefit plans. All meeting highlights podcasts are available in the meeting section of the IPSASB website and listeners can find us on iTunes by searching for IFAC Accountancy Podcasts. Listeners can also follow us on social media 
And if you're interested in doing that, uh, please find us on the IPSASB LinkedIn page, on Twitter at IPSASB underscore news, and on YouTube. Thanks for listening and joining us for this podcast today. Take care.